This episode of the Local Hustlers podcast is brought to you by Audible. If you're listening to this podcast right now, then I'm going to assume that you would also enjoy listening to audiobooks. Whether you're interested in business, history, comedy, science fiction, or romance, Audible has thousands of titles for you to choose from. We want you to try out Audible for free, so if you head to our link, you'll get a 30-day free trial and a free book. So go to audibletrial.com slash local hustlers podcast to redeem your trial today. Again, that's audible, A-U-D-I-B-L-E, trial.com slash local You're listening to the Local Hustlers Podcast, your go-to source for connecting with small businesses and entrepreneurs in the East Valley. Get ready to be inspired by local entrepreneurs as they share their stories, mindset, best tips, and advice. And now, your co-hosts, Dallin and Eric Huso. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Local Hustlers podcast. This week, we're super excited to be here with Parker Hughes with Parker Marketing and Management. How's it going? Good. How about you? We're good. We're good. Great. Thank you. Yeah. Excited to have you. Um, Take a few minutes before we jump into the business and give us a little bit of a background on your life. Yeah, sure. So I am a born and raised Arizona girl. Um, I grew up in the northern Phoenix area. I went to a very, very small Great Hearts school up there. Um, to kind of give you perspective on that, my graduating class was 39, including me. (laughs) So really 38. Um, From there, I went to Grand Canyon University, where I got an applied management degree, which was not the original plan, but that's where I ended up. Um, And yeah, since then, I've just been pursuing marketing. Did you always plan on on starting a marketing company? Was that always the plan when you're going to school and then into college as well? Um, To be completely honest with you, no. (laughs) Um, I actually started out pre-health science, so I started pre-physician assistant, then moved to nursing, and then I got very close to applying to kind of the nursing program, and there are some logistical issues with the application process that I wouldn't have had control over. It was all on the counselor's end, all like logistics through GCU, Um, so that kind of threw a wrench in what I thought life was going to look like. Mm. At that point, I was like halfway through my sophomore year of college, thought I had two more years left. I did not. So that same kind of semester, I ended up changing my major to applied management. I was like, get me the heck out of here, (laughs) where I took business management, marketing and communications classes. And first day, first class, I was like, yep, this is where I'm supposed to be. I don't know how I never got here. And then Once I ended up in those classes, in those marketing classes, and even those management classes, it was almost like this hindsight moment where I was like, it was under my nose the whole time. How did I never see it? And because I had gone to a not so traditional school, I didn't have the same opportunities in high school to kind of figure that out. It was a very set curriculum. I had no elective. So I did photography and that was honestly the extent of as close as I've gotten so navigated my way through there, but no, it was definitely not my plan. Um, and then I ended up, after changing my major, being able to graduate in three years instead of four. So that was a huge switch up too. That was not planned, but everything nice. happens for a reason. So. Yeah, that's good. Sure. What was it about those classes that lit the fire and turned the lights on for you? I think, in all honesty, I think it was business in general, um, but also that communication aspect so being able to hear someone's dreams and hear their passion for something that maybe I'm not passionate about but being able to kind of see where they need help 
and help them and help them reach those goals that they have and even if my part is very very small in their journey it's still a part in their journey and that impact I think is really what drove me to be so passionate about it. So in those classes did they do a lot of case study method where they shared stories of businesses and you kind of were drawn (laughs) in and and just saw the opportunity to make a difference is that really what? Yes definitely um one of the ones that I remember the most was from it was from an organizational communication so that's literally business communications um so what we did as one of our our actual case studies is we went onto the different places on campus and we actually looked at the businesses and said okay how can we fix these how can we make them more profitable how can we help them scale and what are they missing that we could help on a corporate level but then also apply those same tools to a small business or just a small entrepreneur who's just getting started cool I'm curious to hear your thoughts on on going to school and going to college because a lot of entrepreneurs are, are pretty against school, but it sounds like maybe without college, you might not have fallen and stumbled into the path you went down. So just kind of hear, want to hear kind of your general overview and thoughts on, you know, school, good or bad yeah. for, for an entrepreneur. I think if you had asked me a year ago, I would have said, oh no, it's not necessary. Um, where I was a year ago, not so much straight out of college, but just kind of in the middle of a pandemic, I wasn't really using anything that I had learned from school. But it wasn't until I started my own business that I would I was using those management tools and I was using those leadership principles that I had learned and even those organizational communication principles that I had learned because it was me, right? I was the client-facing role. I was the one saying, let's take your dream and make it a reality and get you to quit your full-time job, you know, and like, what's your craziest dream? Okay. We're going to do that together. So yeah. Cool. And did you work for any marketing or or similar type of companies after college before starting on your own or what was kind of the the path there? Um, so when I had graduated, like I said, it kind of became this hindsight moment where I was like, okay, here I was doing marketing without realizing here I was doing like I had so many Instagram accounts that I had just growing up messing around with strategies not mm-hmm. knowing that that's what I was doing um, so when I had graduated I felt kind of like a fish out of water I didn't feel like I had the same resume built up that some of my peers did some of them had Instagram accounts with huge followings and business accounts with huge followings and just so much more kind of physical skills and experience, I guess you could say. Um, Whereas in contrast, I didn't feel like I had those, but I had so many applicable skills and it wasn't actually until I got an internship right out of of college. Like literally the day I graduated my last class, I got an email that I had gotten an internship. So quickly started that right away. Um, That eventually moved into full-time. And then from there, that's where I started my own business. Um, But yeah, I wouldn't say it was until... I was really in the field, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then you mentioned growing up having a couple different social media accounts and you were kind of doing marketing without even realizing. I wanted to ask you if if you were pretty heavy, like on the consumer side, on the opposite side of social media, and then if any of that had to do with maybe your passion or your love that you immediately felt when you started learning more about it on the, the back end of it. Yeah, definitely. I think I had one of those moments where it just all clicked, yeah. you know? And I, I had always wanted these careers that... I mean, other than nursing, I wanted to be like a personal shopper and I wanted to do kind of like those influencers and bloggers that 
post the sales or like the Amazon deals. I kind of wanted to do that before it was cool. Mm -hmm. And so I had multiple different accounts that I managed. One was called like Ig Fashionista. I was definitely one of those girls in like (laughs) eighth grade. Um, But yeah, I would say absolutely. Yeah. Cool. And so you, you had an internship, had a job. What made you decide at some point that you wanted to start on your own? Um, to be completely transparent, it was the management style, I would say, of business. It wasn't your typical corporate nine to five. It was definitely very lax. It was a remote position. I worked from home. That's all I really knew before even going into my own business. Um, there were a couple things, but honestly, I just kind of felt like with my experience and my passion, especially, I could kind of use my experience and my tools and take that in a way that I had greater impact where I wasn't helping one person. I was helping multiple people on a bigger scheme of things. Um, So that's definitely what led that kind of conversation to spark. And it's something once I got into the marketing field, it was something that I'd always wanted, right? Like I, once I knew what I had like always wanted, it just became apparent like, okay, yeah, maybe five, like five years down the road, 10 years. And then I just kind of woke up one day and I was just like, okay, we're doing this. Cool. Yeah. And was it a clean break from the corporate job or did you yeah. uh, do, do both <laughs> pass simultaneously until your own business grew enough where you could say, okay, I'm leaping I, in with both I had started freelancing about, to give you more of a timeline, maybe like the beginning of last year. So like January, 2020, 21, um, started freelancing and kind of just seeing what it would be like if I would even like a very client facing role, if I would like, you know, getting my own leads. Yeah. Um, but I would say I almost planted a seed in myself. And once I knew that it was sprouting clean break, I literally quit and kind of cold Turkey really just jumped right into the world of entrepreneurship. And I've been tripping over myself as I go, but it's better done than perfect. So for sure to be here. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe dive into that a little bit. I love that that phrase, it's better done than perfect. What yeah. are some things that going into it, maybe you weren't totally aware of that you didn't do perfectly, but you know you you learned and the only way to learn was by actually doing it, if you don't mind sharing a couple yeah, experiences. Absolutely. Um, I don't know if there's necessarily one or even two experiences specifically that I could dive into, but I think for me it was, I kind of took this business model that I had seen in textbook. I saw it in real life and I saw how I could do the same things, but make it my own and do it in a way that saved me time, saved my clients time and saved both of us money. Um, But that's not an easy thing to do. And so I think it was just really through like just the trial and error of everything, literally setting up contracts, setting up HoneyBook is an app I use, figuring out like really just teaching yourself how to use all of the applications that I had experience in, but it was just a completely different role in even like these apps I was using than I had when I was in full-time position. So definitely a huge learning curve just across the board with kind of the organization of things, but also communications like with clients. I think if I was to pick one thing, I would say communication, blessed to have taken those classes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think without them, it would have been a different story and Mm -hmm. I would not kind of be in the position that I'm in today in my business. Yeah. 
And do those communications classes that just about, you know, how you interact with people or what are the, some of the things that you kind of learned from that, that you took into business? I think it's communication, but it's also a little bit of psychology. Okay. So it's the psychology that comes with sales, but also the psychology of kind of meeting people where they're already at with the conversations that they're already having in their head. So nobody learns the same. I could tell you and pitch you one thing, but you might take it a completely different way. Um, so it's really having one set offer, but almost customizing it to specific people hmm. based off of the communication style. Cool. You obviously learned so much about marketing um, at school and, and then probably at your jobs as well. So I want to hear more about the things you learned and how you applied that to your business and how you use the marketing skills you learned to grow your own business. Mm-hmm. I think with marketing, while yes, I think I'm a huge advocate for getting a degree now. <laughs> like I said a couple years ago, maybe not so much. Um, I think for me on a much bigger scale, it has been kind of having those tools to be successful. So for marketing, it was more realizing that I had a natural gift Um, in marketing. I kind of understood aesthetic in a way that most corporate marketing professionals might not necessarily understand. So it's kind of comparing and combining the two of like branding techniques that I learned in marketing classes and communication principles that I used and kind of just a big pot of all of these principles, you know? Love that. Um, so let's dive a bit more into Parker Marketing. Tell us more about, you know, what you do, sure. what what are the services that you guys offer? Yeah, so I like to say we offer kind of everything under the sun. Um, right now we offer one-on-one business coaching and social media coaching. Um, I just actually launched one-on-one strategy calls. So what that looks like, it's more of a a one-time coaching call basically where you get all the tools to be successful but without that accountability factor of hey this is your homework go do it um as well as content creation account management and then a little bit of custom work so email marketing text message marketing affiliate marketing um, graphic design logo design and even a little bit of copywriting so doing captions ebooks all that fun stuff and even a little bit of advertisement as well okay so it sounds like on one side of the business, you'll handle all of that for someone, but on the other side with the coaching, you'll you'll teach someone, mm-hmm. you'll show someone how to do it themselves? Yeah, absolutely. How do you know, or how does someone know, I guess, which route is best for them? Where, where do you see um, certain situations are better for, for different businesses? I think that's a hard question to answer. <laughs> I think it's a lot of customizing. So it's seeing how someone responds to the way that I pitch them something, Mm -hmm. seeing how their demographic responds to even just the content that they're already sharing and how to bridge that gap. So as far as, for example, like brand strategy, if I come into a call and you have a set branding assets, like you have a logo, you have a brand strategy, you have all of the things branding. If I go in and I don't understand and kind of see okay, this color is intentional for this reason, or I don't see the intention behind your brand strategy when I look at, say, your content or your offers, it's bridging that gap and kind of educating them on switching their perspective. So switching from the owner's perspective and the expert's perspective to the consumer. So what is it 
what to me is this person trying to sell me and how is it going to provide me value in my business? Cool. And if someone were to ask you that same question, I guess, how would you answer that? How would you promote yourself? What are you trying to sell? What are you trying to do to help sure. people's business? Um, I guess I can give you my little elevator pitch. Yeah. Um, so Parker Marketing and Management focuses pretty specifically, but not only, um, on helping female entrepreneurs reach the 2% club. So if you don't know what the 2% club is, it is kind of that six-figure revenue mark in business. A lot, a lot of people, I don't have the statistics up right now, but a lot of women fall very short of that. Um, And so by doing all these things with content creation, account management, it's really deep diving and creating systems and kind of helping your business to work for you and not you working for your business, if that makes sense. Um, It working for you is what I I mean to say. Mm -hmm. Um, So kind of gaining back that work-life balance in an entrepreneurial setting to where you can scale and monetize. That's really cool. And so what is that 2% then that you said that's the the 2% of business owners? So it's called the 2% club. Uh So it's like 2% of female founders ever reach seven figures, I believe, um, in revenue. And then I believe it's about 18% of female founders ever reach six figures, which to so many people, six figures might seem like a crazy astronomical amount but when you really break down cost and you break down employees you're not making a ton of money and i think once you really look at those numbers in contrast to kind of the male statistics as well that wage gap is just insane do you see that wage gap even in the entrepreneurial world between male and female and i think not necessarily the wage gap itself but i think it also expands into other things i think we women in business a lot of us are not we are ambitious but we're not necessarily raised to be ambitious we're raised to be caretakers so a lot of women will feel very guilty for doing things in business if you're charging what you feel like you're worth a lot of women will feel guilty for doing that when for a man you're like this is my price (laughs) you know like take it or leave it um And so I think, yes, the wage gap itself, but it's also kind of those um, societal norms that we've all been raised with that we might not even realize that are very ingrained in us and ingrained in just even how we communicate day to day is a lot of what I see. Yeah. No, I'd love to talk about that a bit more, like how you mentioned that some of it could be like an internal thing going on inside you. So how do you help people to kind of get over that? Uh, that hump because even when you mentioned you know you're helping people to make six figures or make seven mm-hmm. figures some people are like oh well, no like I'm not here to make money right um, but it's a very important part of, mm-hmm. of running a business so how do you kind of help people you know balance balance you know being a good person and, and running a business doing what they love but also at the same time rewarding themselves and, yeah. and making money I think especially with coaching you realize that a lot of imposter syndrome exists in a lot of people. So to kind of give you perspective on how I like to handle things, I like to work with my clients as if I'm talking to myself a year ago, me three years ago, me five years ago, and focusing on what I was dealing with at those times and how it applies to what they're dealing with and helping them to work through those things the way I did. So working through building your self-esteem, building Mm -hmm. even knowledge, um, delegating is a really big one that a lot of people have a hard time with and kind of what that looks like as far as outsourcing work and different things like that. 
That's awesome. What are, if you don't mind, if, if pretending that you're here with a client right yeah. now, what are some of the things that you, you could tell them um, to kind of help build that self-esteem, to kind of help reverse that mindset and mm-hmm. let them know that they can, you know, charge what they're worth and, and make all that extra money? Yeah. Um, I think for me, it's not necessarily something I can tell you because I can tell you anything all day long and you won't believe it until you believe it in yourself, you know? Um, it's more practical, so it's more through practice. It's mm. through journaling is a really big thing I have my clients do. Um, even meditation for some clients is a very big thing that I do where it forces you to find stillness and really face those quote-unquote demons mm-hmm. that you're not necessarily dealing with and just having that extra reflection aspect of what am I feeling when this happens? You know, like if I'm on a, a coaching call and someone asks me or a potential call and someone asks me how much and I feel a weird way about telling them how much I charge, if my clients are feeling that way in their businesses, it's working through that. Why am I feeling this way? Yeah. And kind of giving yourself the permission and almost like your inner child not to get too hippy-dippy on you, <laughs> but almost giving yourself the permission to feel in business because I think a lot of people think that business is this stone cold give me money you know and everyone's out to just take your money and I think really at the root of it it's if you have the right kind of intentions that's what guides you right that's really cool yeah have you always had that mindset did you have a coach or or a mentor that kind (laughs) of taught you that as well um I don't think I explicitly had a coach or a mentor that necessarily taught me that um, my past full-time job, he was actually a coach and I would sit and watch and take notes on his calls. That was one of my jobs. Um, and so I think just through absorption, I really learned the technique of kind of pulling people apart and saying, okay, where is the issue here? You know, like where can I help them succeed? Is it literally imposter syndrome okay let's go do emotional freedom tapping and get rid of that sensation and that feeling and that just even limiting belief that those people have and I don't think I even really started looking at life with that perspective and even business in that perspective until very recently when I started my um I would say my personal development journey was about around COVID like 2020 of April, you know, is really when it jump started. And I think once I allowed myself to, I guess, once you give yourself the freedom to acknowledge the fact that you're not perfect and nobody around you is perfect, you can work on being better and being perfect, you know, like, of course, you're never going to achieve that. But really focusing on bettering who you are as a person while also being intentional with how you do that and how you do that in business. Yeah. You've talked a a little bit so far about self-improvement and always improving yourself in that personal development journey. Would love for you to just talk a bit more about that, why you originally, you know, were intentionally um, Mm -hmm. trying to achieve that and what are some of the benefits you've seen from it? Yeah, sure. I think for me personally, the biggest kind of results that I've seen is just my mindset. I have a very abundant mindset which is not something that I would say I've always had I have a very kind of growth focused mindset as well and I think because of that because I've had that scarcity mindset um 
I'm able to kind of walk people through the steps of figuring out how to make that change from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset, from a scarcity mindset to an abundant mindset. And as I mean, it's terrifying, don't get me wrong, but you kind of just have to surrender to that process overall. And I think for me, it started very small with just 20 minutes of personal development, listening to a podcast, reading a book, journaling even, like really just having moments of stillness with yourself and kind of reflecting on your day or something someone said that kind of struck a nerve with you and you tried to play it off, but like it ruined your day. (laughs) (laughs) Focusing on things like that and really kind of getting to the root of what you're feeling. Yeah, yeah. And I think if you don't do those things, I think as humans, I think it's in our nature to kind of think we can avoid our feelings, but in reality, it's going to affect that root that's striking a nerve in you is going to affect every business every relationship, everything in your life. And I think we're very naive to think that it's just kind of one-sided, I guess you could say. Yeah. Do you find yourself spending more time cleaning your pool than you spend swimming in it? Then you need to get in touch with Flamingo Pools. Flamingo Pools is your go-to swimming pool maintenance and repair company in the East Valley. Whether it's weekly maintenance, repairs, green to cleans, or one-time cleanings, Flamingo Pools is there to take care of you. Here's a few things that makes Flamingo Pools stand out from the crowd. When you first sign up for service, they'll give you a free complimentary inspection of the pool to make sure everything is running smoothly. They'll also email you a service report with a picture attached after every visit so you know when your pool has been cleaned. They also offer a mineral treatment, which will keep your chemical levels down, allowing you to have a healthier bathing experience. At Flamingo Pools, they know that your pool was made to be enjoyed, so let them handle the rest. Check them out at azflamingopools.com or give them a call at 480-422-6013. Mention this podcast and get your first month of weekly maintenance free. That's azflamingopools.com and 480-422-6013. I was looking on your website earlier and I saw something that you do that I thought was really cool. I think it ties into personal development. You do what you call CEO days Mm -hmm. on Fridays. Do you want to tell us a bit about what that is? Yeah, absolutely. So now it's kind of a CEO Friday and a little bit of a CEO Monday, depending on the week. But so what I do is I'm a firm believer in boundaries and client boundaries. So what that looks like in my business is kind of setting that expectation. So when I onboard a client, I send them a welcome guide. These are my hours. These are my communication terms. You can message me on Slack. You can expect a response within 48 hours and kind of setting those boundaries to where I'm able to have CEO days where I focus on admin work. I focus on my business development. So maybe that's a sales call. Maybe that's even meeting with a potential client. Um, So I really just save mostly Fridays, sometimes Mondays for those CEO days and just break it down and get kind of those business needle moving kind of tasks done those days. Cool. I'm going to assume that you've listened to quite a few good books and podcasts over mm-hmm. the years that's helped you with your personal development. would love if you had a, a few yeah. that you might share with our audience that have been Absolutely. most beneficial for you. Um, I would say Atomic Habits, hands down, is probably one of the best books I have ever read and a book that I continue to go back to. Every single time I read that book, I get something new from it. Mm. And I also think it's just a great kind of reset button. You can really be controversial with yourself and say, these are my goals for the year. I'm not hitting them, but I want to hit, or I didn't hit them last year. 
it's January 2022, I want to hit them this year, let's make it happen. And you really just break those goals down into very small actions um, and very small habits that you build up. I would say there's probably not one book of Brene Brown, but she was honestly probably one of the first books that really kind of ignited that, I would say, drive to be a better person every single day. Um, if I was to pick one book, I would say The Gift of Imperfections is a very close second book. I think those two books alone are a great kind of starter kit, yeah. I would say, to just kind of starting that conversation in your head and even in your household and even in your friendships um, of personal development. No, those are two great books uh, and I love that. I want to go back to what something you've been talking about with mindsets because... One of the failures in human development and personal development is thinking that, you know, by acquiring skills, even soft skills, that, mm -hmm. that will make me a better leader. And without addressing mindset, uh, you really fall flat. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're obsessed with leadership development as a culture, with personal development. You just, you know, look at all the amazing material that's out mm -hmm. there. And yet, in reality, in, in corporate America, leadership's largely a failure, mm -hmm. right? You know, Absolutely. people leave their jobs because they're leader. You know, most employees are dissatisfied with their manager. Mm -hmm. And yet their managers have participated in all these retreats and have yeah. libraries of books and et cetera, et cetera. And so they've, they've acquired these skills. But I love your emphasis on mindsets because mindset is where you know, the mm -hmm. rubber reach the, reaches the road where Absolutely. you can, when you have this awareness and this mindfulness of where you are and what you're thinking and why you're thinking it, then you have access to the tools, mm -hmm. okay? Without really developing your mindset and being aware if if I have a growth mindset and when that fixed mindset comes in and if I have an abundance mindset and when that mm -hmm. scarcity mindset creeps in or when I have an outward mindset and when that inward mindset creeps in, all these different mindsets, if I can gain an awareness of that, now I can gain access to these other skills. And so I love how you have put an emphasis in your business on really focusing on mindset because that's that's the greatest service that you can give to somebody mm -hmm. to really gain access to these skills that they, they've, you know, yeah, absolutely. spent a lot of time acquiring. And I think it's that, sorry to interrupt you. I think it's when I say you kind of have to face the fact that you're never going to be perfect. I think what that looks like is having self-awareness and having intention to change because I think to touch on what you're you're speaking about absolutely I think all of these big corporate businesses spend hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars Billions. developing <laughs> yes building out these leaders but if they don't want to lead they will not lead and if they don't want to grow and change they will not change so if they don't have that intention if you don't have that intention you sit and listen to a podcast and have kind of a non-judgmental 20 minutes where you just accept that you're going to learn something and you're open to the possibilities of what you're going to learn and you have all of those intentions in place, I think that's the key factor is if you don't have the intention, it'll just go in one ear and come out the other. Yeah. Is it all easier said than done when you have a client who is struggling with you know any aspect of their mindset and of, of just growing as a person, as a business owner? 
Um, and you're, you're, and like you mentioned, um, there's nothing you can say that's going to make him change. Right. It's all about them. So, it, you know, assuming that they do have those intentions, how long have you kind of seen that process takes for mm-hmm. them to really, you know, get over those humps and, and really shift their mindset? Yeah. I think in terms of coaching and even now that I've gotten a little bit into strategy consulting, it really and truly just comes down to whether or not they're ready to surrender to the process. And I think something that everyone who's passionate in business feels is when you have your mind set on something, for me, it's helping female entrepreneurs. Um, I think it doesn't, it's not about you. It's about the person. So you become this almost, this vessel for change and impact for other people right? Like if I didn't want to come and do this podcast, I don't care. You know, like it's not about me. It's about everyone I'm going to help and everyone I'm going to meet. Um, so I think it's that sheer aspect of if they are not ready for change, coaching won't help them. If they don't have that intention, same with personal development to change and grow and kind of let their ego subside a little bit, which I know a lot of us struggle with, then they will not have change. And so I think kind of best case scenario I typically do coaching on a three to six month period is usually how long it takes and of course you start slow (laughs) but once you kind of just completely surrender to the process and just let go of any expectations even or um, expectations you even have of yourself that's when the real magic happens but I think as a coach and from a business perspective that all comes with prospecting if you are not prospecting correctly, you will be accepting people into your coaching program who are not ready, are not really, they're more curious. Maybe you're planting a seed in them, but they're not ready to completely surrender to that process of growth and to that process of, I would even argue and say entrepreneurship, which is not an easy thing to do. Yeah. Have you come across that yet where someone, you know, wants coaching and, and their intentions aren't in the right place and you don't feel like they're ready to, to really take that jump? I can't say I have, but I have come across people who they think they're ready for coaching, but maybe their business isn't ready mm. or their business is, isn't in a place where they're ready to scale. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I did actually bring on strategy consulting because it's it's really a one-time deep dive into your business. What do you need help with? How can we implement that? What are your strategies? Let's fix them. Here you go. Here's your action plan, you know? Yeah. So really just giving you that foundation to if you follow that plan and you're consistent with it, you'll reach that point to where... And sometimes it's even just cost where you'll reach that point where you're bringing in enough money in your business to where coaching makes sense to take it to that next level or hiring someone in your business makes sense. Yeah. Awesome. So while your focus is female entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. you are also taking male Yes, clients. not okay, exclusively so we don't wanna, female. As we're prospecting our listeners here, we don't want to turn off yes, the male definitely. audience right here. Um, what else would you say about who your ideal client is? As uh, you know, people listening might you know have you might have struck a chord mm-hmm. in our conversation yeah, here today. Absolutely, I think just really generally, I think anyone who's coachable, ready to surrender to the process of growth and anyone who's motivated and their heart is just on fire for whatever their business or whatever their cause is I think that is my ideal client 
Speaking of ideal clients and kind of just shifting gears, want to pick your brain a bit just on the sure. marketing side of things because we do have so many listeners that are entrepreneurs that are you know doing their own marketing mm-hmm. um, and could definitely use some tips here and there. So uh, I know that's a big thing when it comes to marketing is you could you know spend all the money in the world and, and have the best content, but if you don't know who your ideal client right. is, if you're not talking to the right people, it doesn't matter. So mm-hmm. is that a big part of what you do? And, and if so, how do you help people find out who their ideal yeah, client is? Absolutely. Um, I think everything you're speaking on is strategy. If there's no strategy, there's no reason to be in business. If you're posting a piece of content and there's no purpose in your post, don't post it Hmm. because you're not gonna get any traction from it. Um, And I think absolutely figuring out who your target audience is, but also having that extra step of, with social media specifically, seeing how your audience responds to that. So if you put out a piece of content and you get two likes, don't keep posting content like that. You know, switch up your your content strategy and go from there. And I think call to actions is a great example of something that if you are sparking conversation in someone who's seeing your content um, or any marketing anything, maybe mm-hmm. it's an ad. If you have a call to action, you're you're going to tell someone what to do next. And so you're going to make them make that action for change. Cool. And then speaking of content, I would love for you to talk a bit more about the importance mm-hmm. of content. I know you just did touch on it, but um, some of the different you know content services that you guys offer sure. and, and the importance of that for a business. Yeah. I think the biggest thing for business in terms of content is branding. I think it's something that a lot of people think is very easy, but I think on a very a very psychological and even sales level, mm-hmm. I think it's one of the most important factors of content and even marketing in general. Um, to kind of put it in perspective, one thing that I typically find myself doing in my business and even with clients is branding one time and leaving it and then really ingraining that in your audience's head. So if I post like forest green, you're going to know that's my post because I have subconsciously ingrained it in your brain by showing it to you all the time, by giving you value. You're going to know that's my post and you're going to interact with it. It even comes down to editing pictures or content, whether you edit dark or light. You want to come to someone's Instagram page and go to their website and it's the same business and it feels like the same business. And I think to answer your question, I think content specifically is very important because It's about how you make your audience feel. And it's about the experience that they have when they're on your platforms that lead to sales. And I think if anything is wrong in that, like if you have a color that's too bold and makes people feel some type of way, you're gonna have a very hard time reaching people and kind of reaching them where they're already having conversations in their head because something as simple, which is not simple for me, something as simple as like, a shade of red that's a little bit too dark could mess up your wholesale strategy. Mm. And I think that's something that a lot of businesses specifically will overlook and kind of just look at content as this back burner type thing. Like it's just waiting, you'll touch it one day, you just do it because people told you to do it. But if you're not doing it right, you're wasting your own time and you're wasting your audience's time. So what's the point? Just don't do it, you know? Yeah, no, it's probably something that doesn't even cross most business owners' yeah, minds no. if, if their shade of red is is gonna you know connect <laughs> with the customers. And the that's right why way. you hire someone who 
knows like even the color psychology behind all yeah. these colors because they're the experts and you're not so you're not going to know that that's even a thing you know? right you you talked about content and how um how closely it's associated with branding mm-hmm. um so kind of wanted to if you want to talk a bit about the difference between branding and, and then marketing uh, mm-hmm. i know there's a lot of similarities but i feel like there's some differences too and, and a lot of people kind of get mixed up between the two if you don't mind just kind of sharing yeah, your sure. thoughts on the two I think looking at marketing in very, very general terms, it is a lot different than branding. I think, um, and I honestly think at the basic level too, I think branding is the experience and marketing is how you reach people. So I think there's a common saying of you can lead a horse to water, but you can't force it to drink. And I think that absolutely applies to that aspect, like that dynamic between marketing and business. You can, and branding i'm sorry yeah you can market your product all you want but you're not going to get your audience to buy until you have that branding experience and you build that relationship with your clients to get them to drink that water so i think they're very much intertwined but i do think there are some slight differences where one brings the leads marketing brings the leads and it brings the eyes to your accounts for example Mm -hmm. but it's not necessarily going to build that relationship and get you working with that person like branding would. Yeah, no, I love that analogy. With all the different services that you offer, is there mm-hmm. one in particular, like if a business comes to you um, and they just you know need to start small, they're on a budget, is there one thing in particular that you recommend to people or is it pretty dependent on, on each business which you would recommend? I would say it's pretty dependent on each business. Um, it depends on their goals. Yeah. I think some people come in and they're like, I heard marketing and social media is good. I heard I need it, but I don't want anything to do with it. Right. So here's my account. Make it awesome. Mm-hmm. Grow it. <laughs> Make me some money. Yeah. Um, so I think for that client, that would definitely be an account management style client. Whereas if you're more of not necessarily a control freak, but you like to be very much in it and in your business and have control and you like to see those numbers kind of converting, I think coaching is the best way to do that with that client because you're teaching them how to do it themselves. With the account management, remind us of all the different mm-hmm. sorts of services that come with that that you guys will handle yeah. for your customers. So there's three different tiers right now that I have of account management, and they're all pretty much customizable based off of um, the different goals. But what that comes with is content creation, graphic creation. Um, we're writing captions anywhere from 20 to 50 words. We're doing all of the posting, all of the editing. There are, there's kind of a difference too between account management for local people. I like to do, it's called the all inclusive package. So what that looks like is it includes a photo shoot and you have nothing to do with anything else. So I'll take the pictures, I'll edit all the pictures, I'll schedule it out. You'll of course get a preview of what that will look like for the month to come. Um, But it's really kind of a hands-off approach that comes with email marketing, text message marketing. So at the base level, I would say kind of like the starter pack would just be posting, scheduling, creation, and then the copywriting that comes along with it. And then everything else is kind of just an add-on based off of the needs of your business. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Parker, as, as we get closing up here, you've shared so much good tips and advice with us. Any you know last tip when it comes to marketing for someone that is doing it on their own or, or maybe after listening to this, they might want to come to you and ask you for some advice. Um, what's one last piece of advice you would give to someone when it comes to their marketing and, and growing their business? 
I would say if there was one thing to leave off, I would say trust the process. Trust the process in terms of your growth, in terms of your business growth, and I think even in terms of your account growth. Nothing happens overnight. I think if it does, it's not good growth. It's not the growth you want. Um, Quick and easy growth is not the growth that changes lives. So trust the process. No, yeah, I love that. so many people, if you listen to a lot of podcasts, you'll hear about these instant success yes. stories. And, <laughs> or uh, YouTube ads. Right, right. <laughs> and, you know, as a business owner, that can be pretty deflating. And when you look at your business and look at your numbers and you might think that something's wrong right. with you and wrong with your business, why aren't you seeing, you know, a million dollars overnight like mm-hmm. that? Um, so, yeah, trusting that process, trusting that if you are... Um, being intentional, like you said, and, and being open to learning and growing. It's not going to be overnight, but over time, if you keep doing the right things, that your business absolutely. will eventually grow to what you want it to be. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. Sweet. As we get closing up here, we have a quick game we're going to play with you. Okay. Um, <laughs> so how it works is we've got a list of 20 questions, and okay. you've got a minute to answer as many of them as possible. Okay. Sounds good. And we will see how you square up against other guests we've had on the show. <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> start us off in three two one your dream vacation Mm, hawaii first thing you'd buy if you won a million dollars mercedes benz your favorite hobby marketing (laughs) if there was an olympic competition for everyday activities what activity would you have a good chance at winning a medal in netflix the song you've been (laughs) jamming to lately Ooh. i wouldn't say there's one song every song (laughs) If you lived to be 100, would you rather have the mind or the body of your prime self? Mind. Your favorite holiday? Christmas. Favorite ice cream flavor? Chocolate. Favorite fictional character? Mm, I don't know. <laughs> favorite smell? Flowers. What's your nickname? Parks. Pet peeve? When people don't say thank you after I say bless you. <laughs> <laughs> your favorite restaurant? Um, Joyride. If you could switch places for someone for a day, who would it be? Mm, I'm not sure. I don't know if I would switch places with anyone. Good. Good answer. <laughs> um, I, I love that you mentioned it. I feel like I'm not not a lot of people say their favorite hobby is is their job. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think to kind of touch on that, it's actually something that I've been really thinking about a lot lately. Uh-huh. And I think there's a lot of misconception around the saying if you pick a job you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Um, But I think it's absolutely true. I think kind of what I touched on earlier, when you are so on fire for what you do and you're so passionate about it, it's not about you. And I think you love every minute of doing it. And so I like to tell people, yeah, it's work, but it's also my hobby and it's also something I'm passionate about. And it's something I would stay up till three o'clock in the morning doing and wake up at six to keep doing it, you know? So absolutely. And so that passion you have for the business kind of overrides, you know, the stress and all the other work that comes with running the business then. Absolutely. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Um, Take a second and let our audience know where they can find out more about you, connect with you if they're interested in in hiring you for their marketing services. Um, You can find me at Parker Marketing and Management pretty much on every social platform. Um, My website is Parker Marketing Management and my Instagram as well. Awesome. And I know I have a little special offer for our Mm -hmm. listeners. You don't mind sharing that? Yeah, sure. Um, So for any listener listening on the podcast right now, um, I'm offering 25% off of any service. If when you reach out, you let me know that you heard me on the podcast. When we go to book, you'll get that 25% off any service. 
Awesome. That's phenomenal. For sure. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Okay. Well, thanks so much for coming on today. I've enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Have a good week, everyone. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening. Just a few things before we go. First off, if you or someone you know is an entrepreneur in the East Valley, we'd love to have you on the show. Please get in touch with us by emailing us at localhustlerspodcast at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram at localhustlerspodcast. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for the latest news and updates. Also, if you enjoyed the show, please take a few seconds to rate and review and hit that subscribe button. It lets us know how we're doing. It helps us grow so we can reach more locals, entrepreneurs, and help small businesses grow. Thanks, guys.